We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. The Timeline is a Blue Wire podcast. Welcome to the Timeline of Phoenix Suns podcast. My name is Mike here with Sam. Sam, how are you doing? I am doing uh, well, my friend. I was actually sick over the weekend. A certain Kevin Durant-induced hysteria, I think, uh, gripped me, but I've thankfully recovered. If this were the 18th century, they would have uh, said that I was infested with ghosts and put me down or something, but luckily (laughs) I recovered. Yeah, yeah leeches some <laughs> something in the order of that but uh but no it was it was a tough uh 36 48 hours there but i am back i am ready to talk suns um i think it, it was either one of my fever dreams over the weekend or the suns <laughs> may have signed terrence ross off the bio yeah. market so we should talk about that too and, and we will but how about the suns uh social media posting a slow motion video of kevin durant walking in in suns gear how weird was that to see <laughs> It was awesome to see. We're, and then all of the practice videos that flowed in today, we are here. Um, obviously, again, he's not going to play until after the All-Star break. We know that. Um, so people have to wait a little bit longer for that. There are other guys who are hopefully going to make their debuts tomorrow. But it's real with KD, man. And I cannot wait for the intro presser that's finally going to take place on um, Thursday, I believe it was announced. Yeah, he's in the... Uh, dunking on assistant coaches phase of his recovery. <laughs> Jared Jack, yeah. Yeah, that was one of the practice videos that was posted. Yeah. Is him, him just going to work on Jared Jack over and over again. And Jared Jack, credit to him, had a long NBA career. Someone pointed out to me on Twitter, you know, he was drafted the same year as CP3, which is a testament to CP3's legacy. Wow. But also, like, Jared Jack hasn't been in the league for a few years and he's like six one <laughs> and just six yeah. two maybe. And, and he's, he's just, just like leaning on him, like that's all he can do. <laughs> yeah, as as KD goes through uh goes through the motions in practice. It was funny. He looks he looks close. You know, and I, I think that's what we kind of expected out of Durant is to look close. The Suns did officially, like you said, uh rule him out until after the uh 
the break the what is it called the all-star break yeah <laughs> i'm already blanking on words the uh the Just slut like, city break or what, do i have they're called <laughs> do i have kevin durant induced hysteria as well i might yeah, possibly um, I did want to just talk about something real quick before we move on to the rest of the things we have on our list here. Um, and that is to say that we briefly touched on the fact that Dario Saric was traded to the OKC Thunder. I think he's actually even available to play today for the Thunder for Darius Baisley. Um, but I don't think we really gave Dario Saric the chance of here on the podcast you know, to really celebrate his time with the Suns. Obviously, bigger things happened that we talked about on the last episode, the combination of Mikhail Bridges, Cameron Johnson, and, you know, Jay Crowder's corpse were traded to Brooklyn for Kevin Durant. But, you know, Dario Saric spent a few years on this team, obviously suffered that horrible ACL tear in the NBA finals. And is, is one of those players where a lot of Suns fans think, wow, if the Suns just had another big in the finals, that would have helped them out a lot. And I think it's true uh, you know, whether or not they would have won the finals is a different story. I don't think you could put that kind of pressure on Darius Sharge, but he was a good player and he played on the Suns for a while. And I think you and I had a lot of fun watching Darius Sharge while he was on the Suns. So I wanted to give him a little bit of a shout out on this podcast before we moved on to other topics. Any thoughts on Darius Sharge being traded? Well, I mean, yeah, just again, I mean, we said this about Cam and Mikhail also that they were consummate professionals, but Darius was another one. And Particularly, I think what was unique about Dario is just being so adaptable. Uh, the number of roles that he played for the Suns over four years, the fact that he started as a starting power forward uh, when he first came <clears throat> in the bubble and then had to shift over to center and we started a six man of the year campaign for him and, you know, moved back to more power forward this year. But he really was the guy who was willing to do whatever the system required of him. Um, and look, I think, you know, Ultimately, it was a little bit more true before the ACL tear that he was he was more capable of being productive as uh, always as a facilitator, but also as a shooter and also um, just as a guy who can even play a little bit of defense, do a little bit of rebounding. He was maybe yeah. a little bit more versatile before the injury. We just saw more of it. Um, but he always put full effort out there. And yeah, I mean, for Dario, he put out a post on social media today thanking the city obviously and, and the organization and talking about what a great highlight it was for his career and you know I'm sure that he's he's not lying in any of that I imagine the experience of making the NBA finals for any player is just just a thrilling thing to go through right and and it's the place where his career changed you know the the minutes he got at center is something he had never done before and it changed what he the sort of calculus of what he was capable of doing compared to the other players who play at his position as a backup center he becomes a very valuable player compared to what he was sort of put in I mean, he's drafted as a three moved to a four and then yeah. played five on the sun's really bizarre career for him secretly one of the more highlight worthy players on the sun's obviously no dunks but he had a lot of really insane passes that he made for the sun's and yeah i don't know what okc is going to do with him but i enjoyed watching dario Saric while he was on the sun's i thought he was a really fun player and and look, I, I'm going to watch him for the rest of his career and, and enjoy him, similar to how I feel about somebody like Ricky Rubio when well, he look, was on the Suns. He's the oldest player in the Thunder now. Someone pointed that out to him. <laughs> he's 28 years old, yeah. Yeah, someone, uh, one of their reporters pointed that out to him, and it scared him a little bit <laughs> today. But, you know, the Thunder still need to try and compete. They still need veterans. Every team needs veterans, and I think he'll be a good veteran in that locker room, and 
you know, I think he can still contribute. Like, think about a guy like Mike Muscala, who he was for the last couple of years in the Thunder locker room of like, he was kind of maybe a little bit on the older end, but was playing a 15 to 20 minute per game role there. And mm-hmm. even if they weren't winning a lot of games, if you looked at the stats, the reason I bring him up, Mike, is because I know this is a guy you, I think, have literally brought up on this podcast before mm-hmm. is like the sun mm-hmm. should go get him. Um, he was kind of killing it for a couple of years there in his little role, not as a star player. But I think Dario can essentially do the same. Yeah, that's a good point. He can play off Shea pretty well. I think the two of them work well together. Uh, he's just a smart player. He's He can adapt, just like just like he said, an adaptable, smart player. Uh, I will always remember that bubble run, too. I think he was a big part of that bubble run. Uh, on the other end of that, Darius Baisley coming to the Suns. Um, young, The youngest player, I think, on the Suns roster at this point at 22 years old. Uh, I, I guess he's, I mean, the best way to think about him is, well, first of all, it was a bit of a salary dump for the Suns. They even sent a million dollars to OKC to cover part of that salary by Dario Sharts, saved them a lot of money, but gives them some flexibility potentially as well. Basley is the defender where Dario Sharch was like entirely an offensive player. Basley is like entirely a defensive player, <laughs> I think for the Suns. And tall, you know, relative to his position, has long arms, potentially a versatile defender. I'm not sure that his spot on the roster is entirely, you know, guaranteed as far as I think the Suns are probably going to have a few players that they decide on what to do before the playoffs come. Maybe he's one of those guys that maybe is not on the playoff roster by the end of all this. Um, but any any thoughts on Baisley? You kind of said it all. Just, I mean, I appreciate the fact that he's a defense first player. Honestly, I mean, just yes, the main reason that the Suns made the trade was for luxury tax purposes and saving them some money that they can then maybe go out and and put towards buyout guys, as we've already seen uh, with the next guy we're going to talk about. But for Baisley, I mean, just trading a guy who's more offense and charge for a guy who's more defense, the Suns needed that. And Baisley has experience. Uh, as a small ball five, and he's a switchable wing in in, in general. Um, can he be a lockdown guy? I'm not sure. Can he give you anything offensively? I'm not sure. Yeah. Um, although playing on a competitive team in this environment with multiple Hall of Famers and Chris Paul as your point guard would be the way to find out. So I think it's worth a shot. And, and just any time right now that the Suns can get their hands on a rookie contract guy or like, you know, a 21, 22-year-old player who maybe other teams have given up on, uh, I'd like to see them try and try and retain some players that they can develop, right? They waived Dwayne Washington Jr. That's fine. I'm not crying over it. But I would like them to keep one or two developmental uh, projects on the roster at a time, ideally, just because it's the way that you kind of extend your window, in my opinion. And uh, Baisley's not a bad way to do that. Yeah, I you know, I guess the question is, if is he going to part, be part of the Suns' future? Or I think it's, un- gonna, I think it's unlikely. Play playoffs? Yeah. It's you know, unlikely unless, well, let me be clear. It's unlikely unless he really shows out. Yeah. But yeah. I would rather have one or two of these guys where you at least try, like let them try, versus just having, you know, 10 cloned players on the bench who are all these replacement <laughs> level yeah. six foot six. He does something you know, else. Three and right. D wings. He does right. something else. He's He's just, yeah. And I guess for there's certain guys on the roster where I think these last few months of the season are going to be really important for them. And I think Baisley's one of them. Another one is Ish Wainwright, who we can talk about in just a second. But, you know, I, there might be a scenario where the Suns are deciding between the two guys when the playoffs come, which one they want on the roster for the playoffs. And I think that's going to be interesting. And we'll see how they play and how they re- react and adapt to that. 
Um, but like you said, the Suns did sign a player. We should talk about that. Terrence Ross. This is kind of the bigger story of this last week, obviously, post-Kevin Durant trade. And uh, the buyout guys are here, right? We're starting to see it happen. Uh, Terrence Ross was the first signing of maybe multiple signings, depending on what you believe here, uh, or maybe just the only signing for the Suns. And Terrence, Terrence Ross, everyone who follows the NBA should know Terrence Ross pretty well by now, given that he's been in the NBA for an extremely long time and has been just basically a bench scorer that whole time. <laughs> I think that's kind of who he is. And uh, yeah, I think he was brought on to shoot threes for the Suns. And you know, if you look at his raw three-point percentage, you might think one thing or another. You know, David posted a great stat about his diff- the difference between wide open threes or open threes for him and contested threes. Another stat, 44.7% on corner threes from Terrence Ross. And that's just a really good percentage. You know, that's Mikael Bridges type percentage from the corners. And I think that's what he's going to do on this team. He's going to get here and shoot threes. I'm not sure what else he's going to do, but what he's going to get that? here and Terrence drop Ross. 50 points like he's done in the past. <laughs> now the Suns do now technically have three guys who have scored 50 points in an NBA game. For those who don't know, Terrence Four. Ross, who's the fourth TJ Warren. Fuck. You're right. <laughs> oh shit. If you can't, was that, that was the bubble, right? So I don't know if that, I count that in my mind. Wait, he, was that 50? He did. That was a 50 yeah, I think point. So. 53, that was a 50 right? burger. Yeah. Yeah. God damn. They have I, four. Yeah, sure? I was correct. I was corrected on that online too, so I used that opportunity to correct you as well. Okay, yeah, you <laughs> fucking got me there, man. You went up to me. All right, that's fine. So the Suns have four guys who have scored. Maybe that's the Suns. Are they the in- only team with that? <laughs> I don't know. That that's a good question to yeah. to research. Maybe that's their entire scouting philosophy. Yeah. Maybe ball don't 50? stop runs the <laughs> Suns front office. Well, Sadiq Bay was <laughs> right there, man. Sadiq Bay was right there. That's true. That's true. <laughs> um, what did you ask me? What do I think of Terrence Ross? Yeah. Uh, they, well, so they call him the human torch for yeah. a reason, as I'm sure uh-huh. the people out there can imagine. It's kind of weird to think that this is season number 11 for this guy. Yeah. If you wanted to take a guess, I'm looking at his player page right now. How many playoff games do you think Terrence Ross has played? Oh, man. Not his, many, right? In his 11 seasons. It can't be many. I'm guessing 20? It's actually 41, which... It's better than I thought, yeah. Which is kind of better than I thought, right? Like, I kind yeah. of was expecting to look at this and be like, oh, man, this guy's going to have, like... Imagine playing a decade in the NBA and having, like, five playoff games to show for it, <laughs> which is kind of what I was expecting. It's 41, uh, mostly because of the 2016 run with the Raptors when they went to the Eastern Conference Finals. That one right. gave him 20. Um, also, is, yeah. I think people forget that the Magic made the first the playoffs um, re- like semi-recently. Uh, they made it in 2019 and 2020 and uh, got bounced in the first round both times, but that added to his total. Uh, mostly in terms of what I think about the actual signing, uh, I don't hate it. I don't love it. I'm kind of still on neutral grounds and I'm waiting to see how he actually plays. Uh, I'm a little perplexed only because you'll remember the last time we talked about buyout guys, I guess on Thursday, whenever we recorded the trade reaction, when we talked about what the Suns need specifically, I feel like we really identified, we keyed in on two areas. Number one was if you're not confident in campaign and his health mm-hmm. with, with his injury, uh, they need to address the point guard situation. Uh, and the second area of need was defense. And yeah. Terrence Ross is nice. He's the human torch. He can come in. He can score. Uh, he's not a facilitator. That's for you sure. You have to so guard him. That's You do that's have important. to guard him. But yeah. he's not a facilitator, so he doesn't fix the point guard problem. 
And there are people who are who are more knowledgeable on Terrence Ross than we are, mm-hmm. uh, like our friend Rich, who is a Magic fan as well as a Mavs fan, who says that he is capable of playing defense, and that is all well and good, but he's certainly not known for playing defense. So I wouldn't exactly say that he checks off the second box either. Uh, so it was a little perplexing to me, just because now we have this situation where it's like, okay, I see the depth. It's starting to come together. But we have Landry Shamet, we have Damian Lee, and we have Terrence Ross as potential backups in these two, three spots. And I legitimately don't know who is going to play the most of the three. Yeah. Uh, and, and maybe even, like, to go further, who Monty should play the most of the three. I just don't know. Well, Ross is the tallest, um, which I only mentioned because maybe there's a scenario where you can get away with playing him at the three. Does it Whereas, surprise you, by the way, to know he, he has a six seven wingspan? Yeah. Which is I, short. It's short. It's, I didn't I, Actually, realize. you know, that is interesting. I would have expected it to be longer. And, you and know, for... For a mm-hmm. dunker of his caliber, at least in his heyday as well, yeah. like it's kind of yeah. surprising that 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 guy has a six seven wingspan. I, I think it's a credit to him, honestly, that um, he's he's not considered more of a defensive liability with that size. It's true. I will say, uh, well, Richie, if you're listening, plug your ears for a second. <laughs> I don't think he'll be a good defender on the Suns. <laughs> <laughs> I just don't want him to be a terrible defender. As long as he can avoid being a bad defender, I think the Suns can get away with that. And maybe that was the point Rich was trying to say on Twitter. But, uh, you know, saying he's a bad defender and saying he's a capable defender are two different things. But he's not going to be a plus defender. Definitely not. Um, At this point of his career, or to be honest, at any point of his career, was he a plus defender, really? Um, So as long as he can just, you know, continue to hit wide open threes, which he's done very well, and be an okay defender, I think will be okay with him on the court, especially coming off the bench. I don't think they signed him to be a starter. But hey, maybe there's a scenario where he ends up being the best one. That would be crazy to me if Terrence yeah. Ross was the fifth starter, just to be now, honest, like to, to come in and earn that spot. Two things I will say about him. He's like, we talked about his three-point percentage. Uh, you know, David posted what it is for open shots online, which is very good, open threes, 44.7% right now on corner threes, like something like 35% from uh, the top of the arc. Basketball Index has an openness rating for players, so it rates how open they are. And this season, for Terrence Ross, his openness rating is an F. So we're talking about what what it's like going from Orlando to Phoenix. He's got an okay percentage on Orlando. He's probably going to be a lot more open on the Suns. So, you know, I even think that Percentage-wise, as far as his threes go, I think that can go up when he's on the Suns. If it's if if it's true that he just is going to be better at making open threes, which I think there's a good is, chance. Um, of. Is that only for for three point shots, or is it all of his shots? It's all of his shots. Well, no, that was a perimeter shot stat. Oh, it was so, a perimeter yeah. shot. Okay, because yeah. I was gonna say I do worry a little bit about <laughs> yeah. the, you know the flip side of it is just when you come from Orlando. Yeah, <laughs> and now you're playing in Phoenix, Orlando. Actually, by the way, I think they're having a better season than people realize, and I think they're yeah. going to be they're going to be good I like sooner them. than people realize. Uh, I don't necessarily. That's not no thanks to Terrence Ross, frankly. <laughs> um, I I there's junk in his game that he needs to cut out too. Um, I think the catch and shoot stats are really really good. Like stick to what you're good at on this team. We don't need yeah. you taking contested 17 footers. That's that's not what you're here for. Yeah. We have Kevin Durant now. So, and I think he understands that. Like I am excited 
by the prospect, we haven't heard anything from Terrence Ross yet, so I'll be curious to see what he says to the media, yeah. but just kind of like fantasizing about what I want him to say or what I think that a player in his situation would say. Being a 31, 32-year-old who's played a decade plus in the NBA with only one deep playoff run to show for it, like this is his opportunity here. This is his chance to ring chase. He should be really excited to to buy into a certain role and just do what he's asked to do, I would think. Um, but we need to see it. And yeah. it's going to be really important for him to just stick to the stuff he's good at and, and yeah, cut out the junk. Well, I mean, that puts a little bit of pressure on Monty, if anything. And I think he's done such a great job with getting guys to buy into their roles, specifically veterans. They've every single, you know, veteran that's been on this team over the course of the last few years, save for Jay Crowder, <laughs> has seemed to buy in pretty well. And I think Terrence Ross joining the team at this time knows why. The other thing that I would say about him is looking through his uh, stats is as far as his defense goes, it's it's all pretty mediocre to bad as far as the actual statistics tell you, and these are some tracking statistics, um, except that he has a high chaser defensive rating, meaning the guy who chases guys around screens. Which the Shamit stat. The Shamit stat. That's yeah, like I the mean, one a, thing a, you cling on to. That's yeah, the, one, the one stat you cling on to to tell me that or try and convince me that Landry Shamit is good. <laughs> I'll have you know. It, I mean, he's good at it. And so is Terrence Ross, which actually, you know, you can make the case for him just replacing Shamit in the in any rotation if he continues to do well. Although the Suns seem to be convinced that Landry Shamit can dribble, even though he continually demonstrates that he cannot. Uh, so we'll see what ends up happening there. But like you said, with Terrence Ross, he's not a creator for others either. Like if you have Terrence Ross, the idea is that he's going to catch it and shoot it immediately or move it to the next, you know, not any passes that are going to be these advanced passes, but easy passes just to keep the offense moving. I think he's capable of doing just fine. Um, it'll be interesting to see. You know, I haven't spent a lot of time watching Terrence Ross over the last few years, so I'm sure we, we have a lot to learn about him, haven't, you know, watching from a game-to-game basis. Haven't watched a whole lot of Magic games over the past few years, to be entirely honest. So I need to start watching them more, though, now that they're gaining momentum. Yeah. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. 
Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. So buyout guys, Chris Haynes on his podcast with Mark Stein said, the Suns are not done on the buyout market and are going to look to sign one more buyout guy. The Suns still, I'm going to say it until they don't have it. The Suns still have their TP MLE, the taxpayer mid-level exception that they can use to sign players for more than the vet minimum if they want to somehow attract a player that is worthy of being signed for more than a vet minimum. As far as we know, I guess we'll find out when the Terrence Ross details are uh, out there. Um, but I assume Terrence Ross at the very least is not taking the entire thing. Um, I think we can be pretty confident in that. Can we address but, the, uh, mm-hmm. the questionable reporter in the room? You're talking <laughs> about a report from Chris Haynes. Yeah. Chris Haynes is a, is a good guy. Generally, uh, actually I do believe his reporting, but about the Suns. How many times have we been fooled recently? I just, if, I'll just throw it back at you. <laughs> if he reports something on Chris Paul, I'll believe it. If he reports, uh, if Chris <laughs> Haynes reports on Chris Paul, yeah, it's straight from Chris Paul's mouth, honestly. But I will say, I have never seen a scenario where somebody goes on TV during a basketball game and reports something that is then refuted before the end of that game, <laughs> which is something Chris Haynes did as it pertains to Isaiah Thomas potentially joining the front office in a prominent role, which he reported that was going to happen. And then it was announced by Matt Ishbia that it was not going to happen maybe 20, 30 minutes later <laughs> through, through other uh, credentialed media. Uh, so yeah, I don't know. I don't really know that Chris Haynes can fully be trusted right now, but I there think is something like that, I think if, that- if the Suns are out there sniffing around, like, he would hear about it, right? I mean, those, these types of guys would hear about that. There is also the theory that that whole fiasco, if you want to call it that, was yeah. an intentional leak from someone who wanted to force the public to freak out. I don't know if I believe that. It sounds a little dramatic to me, but that's a theory that's out there, and maybe it's true. So You're yeah, saying that we, should... we have control over what Matt Ishbia does if we react appropriately on Twitter? <sighs> Matt Ishbia is active <laughs> on Twitter. Robert Sarver he... was not. He said during his introductory press conference, Matt Ishbia said, oh, I see what people are tweeting about me. He said that. I missed <laughs> miss that. I missed that part. Really? Yeah. He said that? Yeah. Okay. He was he was sort of describing it as like a all the things that come with the job. And he threw that one in there, seeing what huh. people are tweeting about. So interesting. it's out there. I think he was talking about you directly, Sam, if I'm not mistaken. I have said <laughs> only good things about the guy so far. <laughs> I don't know. The Isaiah Thomas thing so is far. probably exactly what he was referring to. And as far as how people reacted um, and yeah, it didn't happen. So yeah, I guess you could say Chris Haynes is questionable, but I, I don't know. Normally he's right. I'll give him the benefit of the doubt here. And the Suns, you know, they have another open roster spot. I guess we should talk about what could be done with that open roster spot more than anything else. Because <sighs> I mean, who's out there? I mean, I'm not Justin holidays, not no longer on the market supposedly. Yeah. And is going to sign with the Dallas Mavericks. So you can, our beloved. We'll see how that turns out for them. Now I have to you can strike him, him off the list. Stanley Johnson. Yeah, that's yeah. my guy. I mean, that's, so here's, here's the thing. Uh, Stanley Johnson is out there. He's played well. 
It's actually funny to see how much Lakers fans, because he played decently well for the Lakers last year too. And he was and the like, only guy trying on that team, so they think he's like a superstar. <laughs> no, but but Mike, that's literally it. I yeah. mean, I don't. They don't think he's a superstar, but they love him because yeah, he I tried. And yeah. most players on that team did not try. And if you look on Twitter right now at Lakers fans, they are begging Stanley Johnson to come back, which I think is really funny. I think Stanley Johnson could play a great role here. Um, he also just so happens to be. He's not this physically impressive, but he's more or less <laughs> the same body archetype as Ish Wainwright. He's the same type yeah, of right. stout, powerful, uh, but small ball, like sort of compact power forward. Who's yeah, like six, six, I think, six. Yeah, yeah, I think Stanley Johnson is like six six two forty. Ish, I think, is like six six two fifty, and has bigger shoulders. But Stanley Johnson guards big wings. He's the same type of player. Well, I like Stanley Johnson, but between the two, you can only keep one. And Ish, as it turns out right now, he it's been confirmed he only has these two games before the All-Star break left, assuming he's active for these two games. Uh, and then the Suns will be forced to come to a decision, uh, essentially, if they want to convert his his contract or not. So does that spot go to a guy like Stanley Johnson or does that spot go to a guy like Ish Wainwright? You know, in the tweet about Stanley Johnson being bought out, uh, Shams, who works for the agents, uh, <laughs> said... <laughs> That Stanley Johnson is shooting 45% on three pointers this season. Yeah, on like 12 that, attempts. <laughs> yeah, do you want to? I have the ex- actual number of attempts. Do you want to make a real guess on how many it is? Uh, how many games has he played? Just tell me that. He has played, let's see, 30 games. I'm going to guess like 30 attempts. It's 40. He's 18 yeah. of 40. <laughs> you can't count that. You want to guess how many uh, three point attempts Ish Wainwright has on the season so far? 100? 115. Yeah. You know, like the difference with looking at you know, these actual stats to try and decide what kind of shooter these guys are. I mean, I if think I can, you be can honest, lean on what I think you can lean on what Stanley Johnson is doing in his career, at least at least the average of the last few seasons rather than the 45 percent on 40 attempts this season. I do still think Stanley's a better defender based on what I've seen. But I do also think that Ish is a hard worker who's made a lot of strides on that end this year. I think that the data backs that. Um, definitely his three-point shooting has improved a ton. And look, I'm going to say the word, and I know a lot of people don't like the word, mm-hmm. but this is one of those cases where I really do think the Suns are going to value their continuity. And <laughs> they're, they're, I don't know. I mean, look, I don't know what they're going to do, but if I know this front office, this feels like a, they would be willing to use this buyout spot on someone else who's not Ish Wainwright, but that yeah. someone else needs to be a more enticing name than Stanley Johnson, I think. Right. I know James Jones. Yeah, I think you're probably you're probably right about that. But I I guess there's a chance because Chris Haynes is out there. I mean, like how many other buyout guys even are there? I guess Russell Westbrook hasn't signed yet, right? Yeah, that would be. I don't really. I guess it's possible, but I I don't really see that being somebody James Jones would want, or Monty Williams would want, or even maybe Kevin Durant. I'm not sure Kevin Durant would want that. Uh, so I doubt that's like something that would happen. I know I don't want it. I think he's a negative on the court basically at all times on both sides of the floor, uh, which makes it tough to try to sell that to anyone because offensively he's not good. Defensively, he's been terrible, and that's just not a good sign. Um, any other guys that stand out to you that you can even think of? Uh, no, because Danny Green signed with the Cavs. We talked yeah. about him. Mm-hmm. Uh, who else did we talk about on the last episode? Justin Holiday. It was just yeah. him and Holiday, right? And they both signed. They yeah, get, and Terrence Ross was somebody we didn't even necessarily cover. 
yeah. as someone who, you know, Kevin Love is completely out of the rotation with Cleveland. I'm not sure. I also don't know if they had a roster spot open already to sign Danny Green or if they have to create one. I'm not sure who else oh, could get cut. Um, we talked about Reggie Jackson. He's off. Yep, Reggie Jackson is gone. Yeah, surprising. I think he's staying in Charlotte, right, or something like that. Um, but, yeah, I guess we're up to the point now where what would you do with that last roster spot at this point? To be honest with you, I'd probably just convert ish. Um, you don't need to do that right now. It's hard to speak on this without really understanding the relationship that <laughs> that the Suns have with Ish Wainwright right now. Although Ish is a professional, he strikes me as the kind of guy where you could have a handshake agreement. Also, I don't think there's another team that's going to to attempt to sign him to begin with. Um, I think you could have an agreement with Ish where you basically snoop around for a little bit <laughs> and and maybe wait a few weeks to convert him and then if it comes to march uh you could convert him and if you still don't have anyone for that 15th spot right that's yeah, not gonna that's not gonna offend ish wayne right too much you, you don't well think. i think it's tough it, they're in a really tough position in particular with ish wayne right where they could just not have him active for like the last game before the all-star break and then just keep him for the rest of the season he stays with the team or whatever but that's a scenario where he gets zero minutes, you know, and then they sign another buyout guy, let's say, right? Also, they keep Ish, they sign yeah. another buyout guy. Now they have the rest of the season to decide they can cut another player and convert Ish Wainwright. But then at that point, if you're converting Ish Wainwright, he, they don't even have the like requisite 10 games that they can test out Ish Wainwright with Kevin Durant before they have to make this decision, right? They kind of have to make a decision on Ish Wainwright without really knowing what it's going to look like when he plays with Kevin Durant. Um, I also just want to throw out a few stats, like because we're talking about Ish a lot here. Maybe people are wondering, well, why the hell are you making such a fuss about Ish? And and like if he's in the rotation right now or not, who cares? His last two games, he, he actually low-key had two of his best games of the season, or at least two of his highest scoring games. He scored 17 versus Atlanta and then 13 versus Indiana. Since January 1st, He's been playing 17 minutes per game. He's playing an actual role in the rotation. Yes, KD's coming. Yes, TJ Warren's about to be in the rotation. But there might still be room for Ish somewhere. And like even more important than all that stuff, if you look at the net rating data, he's a plus 6.9 net yeah. rating on the season, which is among the best players on the entire roster. His defensive rating is a 105. That's really fucking good. He has a better net rating than Devin Booker this season. Now, I'm not crediting Ish Wainwright <laughs> of course. for that because, again, it's a team stat. But contextually, uh, there, there are a lot of good things going for Ish right now. Yeah, there's there's no stats that say he makes the Suns worse when he's on the court. You know, obviously there are better players to play if you have them. But, like, he he just tends to do things that, that actually make the Suns look good. And I think it's a, it's a particularly interesting conundrum that they're in because... I mean, how many power forwards do they have that actually play power forward on the roster? Three right now? Kevin Durant, TJ ba Warren. Baisley's a, a four. I'd yeah, say. I guess Baisley. You can count Baisley, but I'm not sure he's going to be in the actual rotation. Like real rotation guys, I think right now it's Warren, uh, Torrey Craig, yeah. and Kevin Durant, which is fine. You know, you say you have three power forwards. Okay, cool. You have th other guys that can play three, but you don't. You don't really have other guys that can play three. It's a good and, point. And, yeah. And the other thing that makes it hard is. Look, I'm not sure Monty will do it, but Kevin Durant should be playing small ball center at times. For this yeah. Team. And when you have Kevin Durant playing small ball center on this team, that means you need multiple forwards that can play with him. 
And, you know, you're going small in that scenario. You're just running out of guys. You run out of guys who have the size to play in those scenarios. You don't can convert somebody like Ish or sign somebody like Stanley Johnson. It's not as palatable. It's nicer when you have guys that can play next to him that have some level of size for the three <laughs> and the four position where KD is at five. What about you? So you cut, you'd have to cut Baisley or, or someone. You'd have to free up a roster spot. But you convert Ish, you sign Stanley Johnson, you roll out a lineup of Booker at the point, KD mm-hmm. at the five, mm-hmm. and then run next to them Ish, uh, Stanley Johnson, and Josh Akogi. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and you've got just three of the baddest motherfuckers you could possibly put on the court. <laughs> can they really shoot? None of them can no, really not shoot. Really. They, but can they have Booker and Durant playing one on one? But you know what? If you have two guys to do it, <laughs> that's not bad. Can they? You've got two absolute tanks and an insane person <laughs> in Josh Akogi just bulldozing <laughs> opponents all over the court. I mean, it would basically be like a football, like a rugby match or something. It would be amazing. <laughs> Yeah, uh, hey, look, we're going to talk about more potential lineup converse, uh, like options later <laughs> in this podcast. But yeah, it's just a scenario where I think, you, like, look, how many guys could even play three on this team at this point? You know, Craig is not really built for that, <laughs> really. Um, you know, TJ Warren, I'm not sure he can move like that. It'll be interesting to see where TJ Warren is at because even as we, you know, Suns fans probably have seen the most TJ Warren games of any team so far, but there just hasn't been many post-injury and look how how much is he really going to play anyway he tends to get injured a lot so he he seems by the way he seems really excited to be here I I think it's worth a shout out just before he makes his debut tomorrow that he was talking about Phoenix today he he called it home and naturally he might be you know just trying to ingratiate himself to the fans or whatever but like he called it home he said it's the place where he's played the most um, already in his career which is just factually true and I also thought it was really interesting, Mike, the little detail he gave reporters about how when Brooklyn was in town a couple of weeks ago, he was hanging out at Book's house. They didn't know that the trade yeah. was going to... I mean, maybe they knew something, but they didn't They didn't know the exact details of the trade or that TJ was going to be involved or whatever. They probably didn't even know that the trade was going to go down at all. And uh, they were just hanging out like old times, talking about old times. So yeah, it seems like a good sign. It's cool that they're friends, yeah. And yeah, I'm looking forward to seeing him play too because he he was pretty fun at times. I I was a bit of a hater, admittedly, when he was here just because the decision making was not great. But the role yeah. is entirely different now. You I know, mean, it's I, just I a think different scenario. We're gonna see a little bit of that again. I think we haven't really had a player like that since Kelly Oubre now for a few years, honestly. Where it's just like such a gifted, talented scorer. TJ was the same way, but just the decision making. This is why the Suns kind of got rid of all of these players and fully embraced Monty's .5 system. They wanted every player one through five on the floor to be able to to move it. Um, and TJ never really showed that he was capable of doing that. But yeah, hopefully, hopefully it works a little better this time. We'll see. It's just so much more palatable off the bench. You know, you kind of exactly. need a guy to be able to do that. You you that do you absolutely do. You absolutely do need guys like that on like minimum contracts or or, or small bench contracts too. It's when you're thinking about maybe paying them, like if they're coming off a rookie contract and you're like, do I pay this guy 20 to $25 million if he doesn't pass the ball? Maybe $35 million in the case of like the Nuggets with Michael <laughs> Porter Jr. You know, yeah. like there are examples <laughs> where it's like, you don't pay guys who can't pass the ball or won't pass the ball $30 million. And, and so with TJ, I mean, like this was several years ago. So take that $30 million figure and scale it back proportionally for whatever the salary cap was at the time. But like when it came to giving him like big contract extensions or sort of talks like that, same thing with Ubre. 
um, there were better options for the Suns to move on to. That's all it was. And look, there's a scenario where there's just somebody on the buyout market that we haven't talked about yet that just appears in the next few days. And the Suns are ready for that, and they can sign that player if he ends up being you know, a good player relative to what the market is. And keep in mind that when you talk about guys that are on the buyout market, they're already they're not great. <laughs> like, there's a reason they're on the buyout market and not, they couldn't be traded essentially. Um, and yeah, that's, that's who they are, but maybe there will be a player that's available that we can't think of. And look, if the Suns want to convert ish, they can just cut Baisley if they really want to, you know, and say, we want ish. He knows the system. Baisley's too young. He's probably not going to be part of our future. He's probably not going to be part of our playoff rotation. We'll just put ish in there. You know, that's something they could do if they want to do. And uh, yeah, it's going to be interesting to see what they end up doing. I think we're probably going to know with Ish, like you said, he's got two games left. You know, for those who don't remember, two-way contract guys are only allowed to play 50 games or be active for 50 games. They're not allowed to play the playoffs. So he has to be moved into a full roster spot if they want to play him in the playoffs. And and look, for that versatility, they might want to do that. And we'll probably know by the end, by the time All-Star break is over and the Suns are playing again, we'll have some idea of what's going to happen. Uh, there. Any other thoughts on potential buyout guys? No, I, I think we've covered it. All right, let's talk about Kevin Durant. <laughs> you know, thinking about how we barely have any guys who can play the three or the four, and it's just so weird. You know, it's just so weird to have Kevin Durant because, like, the way that his skill and his talent and his, you know, his body, the fact that he's seven feet but can dribble and do everything defensively that you want somebody of that size to do just papers over any potential roster confusion that may exist. It's just so unique to who he is as a player. There's only a few guys like that in the NBA that can do that kind of thing. And he's one of them. It's just less of a problem, you know, that you have to play Tory Craig a lot or you have to play Ish Wainwright a lot. If you have Kevin Durant, then if you don't, <laughs> it's just so crazy to think about how different it is to have him than anyone else. And we'll talk about some, uh, potential lineup com- combinations that we'd like to see. But I want to say just a couple quick stats on Kevin Durant. Um, I posted this one online. But of all the players in the NBA who shoot at least at least five pull-up shots per game this season, I'll talk about some of the best. Steph Curry. 45% on those shots, which with him, a lot of them are threes. So factor that in with him. Uh, DeJounte Murray, 46%. SGA, 46%. Kawhi Leonard, 46%. DeMar DeRozan, 47%, who is tied for second with Bradley Beal, who also shoots 47%. Number one in that stat, Kevin Durant at 54%. 7% higher than the next guy when it comes to f- pull-up shots in field goal percentage an absurd score it's just in in of the likes that we've never seen as suns fans i'm gonna get nerdy for a second mathematically but yeah if you think about it like as a bell curve of like what's what's the mean and standard deviation there that you would expect um the for kevin durant to be seven percent ahead of the rest of the field in this stat i don't even know how many standard deviations he is away from the mean there (laughs) it's like it's so improbable to have a guy like this, he's so generationally talented. I, I there, I, I there are no words for it. There are no words for it. I, I heard JJ Redick talking on his podcast mm-hmm. recently 
um, about the same concept of just like the number of guys who have shot, I forget what it was, I think it was 55% or more uh, from the mid-range in a season with a certain volume. Um, and there At have least only been 250 per, per season. 250 attempts, thank you. There have only yeah. been three seasons like it, and they've all been from Kevin Durant, one of them <laughs> yeah. being the current season. And they're all in the last like five years. <laughs> you know, they're they're it's not like it's like young Kevin Durant was better at this. They're all recent. Is he him. the greatest scorer ever? Am I, mean, I just close am to I gonna it. am I gonna move us entirely into the <laughs> fucking <laughs> we dude, we just spent thirty minutes, by the way. Let's have a meta discussion real quick, or this is just a side <laughs> note, but like we need to get better at this, man. Maybe maybe the listeners appreciate the way we do things. We spent 30 minutes opening this episode on buyout candidates. If you want to blow up, if you want this podcast to really blow up now that we have Kevin Durant, we need to like open the podcast with like, is Kevin Durant the greatest score ever? We need to like get with the program, dude. We need to skipify ourselves a little bit. I was thinking, I was thinking, you know, uh, there's been a lot of Kevin Durant fans that have found you and I over the last week or so. Dude, I don't know where the hell they're coming from. I (laughs) didn't know these people exist. (laughs) I was thinking, I was thinking like they're listening to our podcast going, who the hell is Ish Wainwright? I've never heard that name before in my life. Why are they spending 10 minutes talking about the importance of Ish Wainwright? But look, the reality of this, Sam, is that if they're going to like us in our podcast, they're going to have to like hearing 10 minutes on Ish Wainwright because that's who you and I are. We're the guys who talk about Ish Wainwright. We're not guys like that. Okay. Okay. No, it's just who we are. But having said all that, you brought up the idea of Kevin Durant being the greatest scorer ever. There are 42 players ever who have played over 150 playoff games. Kevin Durant is second in average points per game of those players. Second to, guess who? Michael Uh, Jordan. Michael Jordan, yeah. Yeah. And his average points per game, 29 points per game over 155 playoff games in the playoffs. The consistency, the amount of games played, the fact that even when he was young, because you know he's made the playoffs 11 times, 11 seasons in the playoffs for Kevin Durant. So even when he was young, he was doing this and averaging 29 points per game over that time. It's just absurd. You know, like it shouldn't happen. <laughs> Players shouldn't be capable of doing this. And look, I think there's like, we need to do one of these stats or a few of these stats every single episode until he plays just to remind people of how different Kevin Durant is compared to everyone else that the Suns has have ever had because it's just a different kind of player inserting the Chris Paul drop when he was asked about it of Kevin Durant is different like (laughs) that dude is different because he really is man yeah I mean no matter how many times we got to remind people of it let's talk about who's on the roster right now and you know, it, and it just give a because it's changed a lot over the the past uh, week and a half. So we got four guys we know for sure are starting. I'll start with them: Chris Paul, Devin Booker, Kevin Durant, DeAndre Ayton. Those are the four guys we know are starting. Here's the rest of the guys on the roster: Cameron Payne, Tory Craig, Damian Lee, Landry Shamit, Terrence Ross, Bismack Biombo, Jock Landale, Darius Baisley, Josh Okogi. And TJ Warren, who I kept forgetting when I was making this list off the top of my head that TJ Warren is on the team. It's just so weird. And then there's two two-way guys, Ish, Wainwright, and Saban Lee, one open roster spot for the Suns right now. 
now we've talked about it. We spent a lot of our last episode talking about it. Who that fourth guy, or sorry, that fifth starter is going to be with the Suns. Having said that, have you thought about it anymore? Have you made any decisions who you think it should be right now? Oh, it's going to be Tory. You think? Yeah, I, it's going to be to start for sure. Tory Craig, I think. Yeah, I think Monty often gets the biggest guy, puts the biggest guy in there that could potentially play at that position, and then adjusts from there if that doesn't work. It just feels like the traditional balanced approach. Tory can shoot a little bit. He can defend a little bit. He's not the best at either of those things. Uh, and he can rebound. So it's just, it's going to be Tory. Yeah, I think it makes sense too. And he, and if the shots are going to be wide open, let him shoot. You know, try to avoid allowing him to make too many decisions with the ball. And look, maybe even experiment with putting him on lead ball handlers, regardless of who they are, and just see how it goes. And if it doesn't work, then you can check <laughs> Josh Okogi in pretty early and then go from there. Because I think Josh Okogi, and even Monty kind of hinted at it, I will say that they kind of want Josh Okogi in that role of chasing ball handlers around as much as possible because he just doesn't get screened, which is just a skill. And Tory Craig's too big to go around screens the way Josh Okogi can. And I think, yeah, you know, maybe it is Josh Okogie by the end of the season if he can continue to shoot well. Because this year, in the year 2023, he's shooting okay. We won't count 2022 anymore because that's in the past. It's new year, new me. New year, new Josh Okogie. He's shooting relatively well from three so far this year. Um, so that's the other guy, right? That Anyone else stand out as a potential for you? I mean, not seriously, no. Yeah, you won't take Landry Shamit seriously in that conversation. I won't take like Landry it. seriously. <laughs> TJ's too much. He's too good for the bench. Um, yeah. Although, like, ideally, TJ has the talent if he plays to his fullest potential. I don't yeah. think we're getting that version of TJ. Uh, no, I think anyway, yeah. And I'm he's better suited for the bench. So, yeah, yeah I, I think it's really battle between those two guys. So we wanted to talk about potential other lineups or just thoughts around what the team is going to look like once this actually goes into effect. What what are some thoughts that you have on this? Well, do you want to do, are we doing our weird lineups here? Yeah, let's talk <laughs> are about we those. Doing like, yeah. I mean, I, I think you hit the nail on the head earlier with KD at the five. I don't know if we're going to get it. It's hard to put it together with this roster. Am I wrong about that? Like, do you have to go like three guards to do it right? with this roster it uh, yeah a kind of yeah yeah well because, i think how you would do it is well I, there's a bunch of ways you could do it honestly what were you gonna say well i just think if it like who are the forwards that you would put in that scenario i guess you could say ish if he's available to play in tory yeah and then you could have chris paul and devin booker and and just go from there i mean it's kind of anyone you you could do basely too well actually basely as i pointed out earlier in the episode basely has also played the five before so if you kind of wanted to do the cheap way around of, of, of doing it, I think Baisley could play the five and you could still have KD at the four. That's another interesting lineup combination. Yeah, and, and I guess Kevin Durant gives you the flexibility that he can do either, right? You can have him guarding either and Baisley guarding either depending on the roster of the other team. It's just, I think, the, in so many ways, the Suns are going to be the, the ones that teams are game planning for more than the Suns need to be game planning for the other team. And one of the hardest things to game plan for is if you have Kevin Durant at the five plus shooting, which I think is the real challenge for the Suns is finding the right shooting lineup. Because I think if, when I think about the idea of Kevin Durant at the five, I think Chris Paul, Devin Booker and Damian Lee. And I kind of start with those three guys 
just because I want as much spacing on the floor as possible. And then I'm trying to slot in who that other guy is. And it kind of feels like it has to be either TJ Warren or Torrey Craig. And Torrey Craig more likely just for rebounding purposes. I don't know, though. I mean, I'm trying to think about how could you get a really rock-solid combination of deep. Because if we're putting KD at the five, we're thinking about switchable defense. That, to me, kind of says, and, and it doesn't always have to be this way, but if you're trying to draw a balance between shooting and really good spacing without sacrificing defense, I'm punting Chris Paul off this lineup as okay. well. Okay, so you're talking point book plus Kevin Durant at the five. Why not? Why not? I love it. I Fucking mean, I love commit. the idea. Fucking commit. It, and if look, we're I'll say do this it, even further. Kevin Durant signed multiple seasons. That should be your main focus of finding the best possible lineup with Devin Booker at the point guard and Kevin Durant at the five next season when you have an entire offseason to plan yeah. for that. They didn't have one right now, right, in this specific season because they traded for Kevin Durant midseason. But that is kind of the future of the team. I mean, you're telling me they, they close, let's say they close a game with a lineup of, and it doesn't have to be every game. I still think Chris Paul is going to close close most games. And what about Aiden? <laughs> Oh, that's that's a that's a great point too. Okay, so so let, like let's toss out the the idea of closing lineups in for a second, but but it would just be a really good lineup. Katie at the five, Book at the one, Damian Lee and Terrence Ross at the two and three. They just need to be solid defensively. Okay, they don't need to be exceptional. Okay, they're still they're both six five six. How tall is Damian Lee? Like six four. Tall enough. Yeah, tall. I, enough. I get what you're saying. Yeah, he's tall enough. Terrence Ross is six six. He's tall enough. Power who's, forward. The, who's the fifth guy? It doesn't even matter. I mean, it could be Ish. <laughs> it, it could be Ish. Craig, it could be Tori. Yeah. <laughs> but everyone. Right? Yeah, sure. I don't know, man. Everyone can shoot. Like, you've got shooting. You've got switchable defense. That's what you're asking for. Is it not? I find that fascinating. I think that would be a really interesting look for the Suns. It's not perfect. None of this is perfect. This is what happens when you have some minor depth issues. Well, we don't I mean, have like perfect the idea 3 and D role of, players anymore. It's okay. Um, it's harder to get Kevin Durant and Devin Booker than it is to get the other guys. You know, like they they paper over imperf- imperfections outside of them, um, so that makes it nice. It's funny because you brought up the idea of thinking about some lineup conversations, and I kept thinking about Devin Booker and Kevin Durant both have played for like the last few seasons, the entire first quarter. And I kind of feel like they might continue to do that, both of them. Do you think that's probably going to happen? What do you think about that? The f- the f- just the first quarter? Yeah, both of them. Um, it's it's interesting because uh, you're not staggering at that point, right? No, you're not. Well, the other thing is, I I'm just curious to see how much KD is going to play in general, right? Because that's really going to answer answer your question there. Um, you know, when I first brought up this segment, a big reason I was thinking about this is because, look, the next 20 games are, or 25 games are critical. But I was also thinking about the playoffs. And I was thinking about the fact that I went back and looked at how many minutes each of these guys logged in the playoffs last year. And Booker and, and CP were at like 35, 36 minutes per game. I think DeAndre Ayton only played 31 minutes per game in last year's playoff run. It's yeah. not that much. Meanwhile, then I looked over at the Nets, who got bounced in, in four. Yeah, yeah. And KD was their everything, and he was the, the entire Multiple system. Multiple 48-minute games, I think, he's yeah. done for the Nets, yeah. The entire system rotated around him, and they mm-hmm. needed him on the floor every minute. Otherwise, they were going to lose, and they were operating from a place of desperation. 
yada yada, you understand why. But yeah, he averaged 44 minutes per game in that series. Yeah. yeah. Maybe we're talking about a situation where we're talking about all these depth guys. And are any of them going to play more than... <laughs> yeah, I, I mean, I, I believe that there's... I believe... Let me put it yeah. like this. I believe that there's going to be a sixth man who makes a difference for the Suns. Maybe it's TJ yeah. Warren. Maybe it's campaign. Campaign. When he returns yeah. to health. But when we're talking about Josh Akogi and Ish Wainwright and Darius Basley and yeah. Beyond, I mean, Biombo might have to play. Yeah, Biombo I think is another one. Biombo will play in the playoffs or Jock because I think Aiton is going to do that thing again where he gets into foul trouble sometimes. Not often, but well, sometimes. he just doesn't have the conditioning to play. And big men and barely d- do. Like how many big men play yeah. more than thirty-two minutes a game? It's just so it, rare. Exactly. So so Aiton. We we need a legitimate backup five who's going to play fifteen minutes per game. But if KD plays like forty two minutes per game, then none all of these guys that we're arguing about for the first forty minutes of our episode are any of them going to play more than five minutes in the playoffs? Yeah, it remains to be seen. Well, this is actually what I think is interesting because I think about the regular season at least for now because there's still uh, whatever a third of it left, maybe less. And you know if if that does end up happening. And you have a scenario where Devin Booker and KD, their rhythm is we we play the first quarter. I want to continue doing that. Well, I think I think you just pull Chris Paul and DeAndre Ayton relatively early in that first quarter. Then you start the second quarter with Chris Paul and DeAndre Ayton pick and rolls with you know Landry Shamit, Damian Lee, and TJ Warren. Right yeah. now you're running an, an entire yeah. offense versus a bench lineup with Chris Paul and DeAndre Ayton as the main offensive pieces with shooting Shamit, Lee, and TJ Warren. And, you know, as fun as it is to think about lineups with Kevin Durant and Devin Booker, that's going to rock. It's going to be incredible. But you have a situation where Kevin Durant and Devin Booker share the entire first quarter, and when they're not on the floor, you have an offense built around Chris Paul and DeAndre Ayton, one of the greatest pick-and-roll point guards of all time, if not the greatest, along with DeAndre Ayton, who is one of the better finishers at the rim in the NBA, shooting 70, 78% at the rim so far. With, you know, Damian Lee, best three-point shooter on the catch-and-shoot so far this season. Landry Shamit is Landry Shamit. And then TJ Warren, if you need to get bailed out, you could just throw it to TJ Warren at the end of the shot clock, and now he's driving to the rim like a reckless maniac and shooting a weird floater. Way to, he, way to sell it there on, on Shamit, Mike. Well, I mean, like, Shamit's kind of important for this team now, and I'm still, I'm still kind of figuring out how to deal with that. <laughs> you know, I'm not excited about it, but I also, like... I can kind of see why they have him now. Like it kind of makes sense too. And I'm just finding ways to cope with that, I think. Yeah. But think about that. Chris Paul, DeAndre Ayton no, I, atta- attacking <laughs> bench lineups. That's going to be fun. I think you've sold me on the general concept that, that that lineup is good against bench lineups. It is a good lineup and it will do well. And I think you just get away with like, if you take Chris Paul and DeAndre Ayton out, you know, five minutes, six minutes into the first quarter, you can just get away with having Jock Landale and, you know, whoever else you want to leave on the court during that time when it's Cameron Payne, Devin Booker, and Kevin Durant. You know, like, you, whoever you want to put. Other two players to play the rest of that first quarter. You still have Devin Booker, Kevin Durant on the floor. And Cameron Payne, if he comes back even looking like himself at all, is going to be a good fit with those two guys, I think. Or Devin Booker at point guard. Whatever you want to do, you'll be fine when you have those two guys on the floor, I think. For sure. Any other lineups stick out to you as ideas that you want to see? Not that I wrote down. Do you have any other ones? It's harder to think of like all defensive lineups now. I oh, feel like yeah, the, I didn't delve into that because I thought I might throw up on the page a little bit. 
this the offense completely disappears when you start to think about that. Well, you have Josh Okogi, you have Darius Baisley, Kevin Durant. Arguably, you know, is is probably the best, if not, you know, he's probably the best defensive player, maybe besides Biombo <laughs> on the team right now. Yeah, I actually, it's not, now that I think about it, it's not that bad because of the fact that your two greatest scores are. Well, Book is at least a neutral on defense at this point. He's improved right. so much. And KD yeah. is literally a positive. He's he's more than a positive on defense. Yeah. So, so, yeah, I mean, you uh, you just have to commit to what we were talking about before. Play point Book. And, and Chris Paul has his moments where he still excels defensively. But in the greater scheme of what we're talking about here with an all-defense lineup, I think we're talking about trying to own in on particular top tier scores in the league who cannot like mismatch hunt against you. And so that to me means Chris Paul not being in the lineup for the most part. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I mean, book at the one Katie at the four biz has to be in there in this lineup yeah, if we're talking Kogi. defense and then yeah, Kogi and, and Baisley? I don't e- know if <laughs> a Kogi and Tori just to retain a little bit of shooting. I mean, yeah. a Kogi and biz together is like, Oh, <laughs> like Kogi biz and then kd like weak side coming off to to block <laughs> shots or something like that's just absurd but all the more reason that like if terrence ross can give us anything on the sends then that's yeah. gonna be great that's that's kind of all we're asking for right yeah yeah and, you know this would have been perfect ross, for justin holiday in my opinion you yeah, know to like really, play defense and also shoot the three if if terrence ross if you're asking terrence ross to be a great defender over the course of like 30 minutes a game it's not going to happen but maybe 15 minutes you know, 17 minutes a game. Can you just try really hard for those 17 minutes and you'll get some wide open threes uh, as a reward? Yeah, maybe that's a little bit better. But like I said, I'm not counting on it with Terrence Ross. You got anything else before we go on this one, Sam? No, I think we think we covered everything. What we got cooking up this week? We're not doing a playback. No, because so there's only two games left before All-Star. two games left, yeah. We'll definitely do a Patreon. We missed last week at Patreon. Last week was a crazy week regardless, but we'll get a Patreon podcast up. And also, I'd like to hear your, you know, people listening to this, lineup combinations that you'd like to see, whether it be two or three players you want to see together, or if you put together a full five-man lineup that you find interesting, I'd love to hear it. Uh, because this team is still all conceptual, right? Until we see it on the floor. And any ideas are interesting to think about for us. But yeah, that's all we got. No, Like you said, no playback. We're going to do Kevin Durant's first game on playback. Oh, whenever no it is, doubt. whenever we know what it is. If it's the first game after All-Star break, we'll be there. We want to watch it together with Suns fans. So I expect all of you to be there. Uh, and I think it could be really, really fun. The disrespect on our part to not do the same for TJ Warren tomorrow. But <laughs> I hope he has a great debut. Hopefully we'll he doesn't cover find it. out. Yeah. We'll cover it at some point. If you would like to join our Patreon, you can join at patreon.com slash the timeline. Uh, as little as $3 a month if you want to join our Discord. $6 a month for an extra podcast every week. Thank you guys so much for listening back midweek with the Patreon podcast.